local leaders, top stories, the news that matters most to you. The News Drive at 5 with host Patrick Reynolds starts now. Welcome to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. 5.06 p.m. on the East Coast. Thank you to all of you joining us on WSIC News Talk. You just heard Town Talk with Bill Russell. Bill is the president of the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce. Great business and community talk show every Wednesday right here on WSIC News at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Lake Norman Chamber Prez, Bill Russell, hosting Town Talk. Earlier today, I want to make mention that I spent the lunch in a meeting with the Mooresville Downtown Commission at the Charles Mack Citizen Center in Mooresville. Chairman Kim Saragoni running a great meeting. It was good to be back to the community a little bit there. Hadn't been in a few months, so it was great to talk about WSIC News and Waves Entertainment with the Mooresville Downtown Commission. Also, by coincidence, happened to sit next to Christine Patterson, who is the host of I Heart Mooresville every Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on WSIC News Talk. They talked about in the meeting how Mooresville has good representation with this show. I Heart Marsville, Christine and Don Smile uh, at the controls there every Tuesday at 11 a.m. is our footprint on WSIC News Talk, North Charlotte, Lake Norman, Iredell County, and over to the West Coast of the lake. Had some new ears and listeners, hopefully, here on the News Drive at 5 and WSIC. Sean L., I hope you're tuning in. And also spoke to Nicole Kirshner today in a separate phone call with the Statesville Chamber of Commerce. Hello to everybody. Hopefully you're enjoying us. Been back to WSIC News on all the platforms. 105.9 FM in uh, around Lake Norman and North Charlotte. 100.7 FM, 1400 AM in Iredell County. Anywhere on our website, WSIC News. Dot com and the social media platforms, Facebook, X, LinkedIn, all have, as well as the WSIC website, have the video feed from right here in the studio. And if you can't see this on the radio, but you can see this on those video feeds, if you're looking at us uh, on the social media, is I've got a four-pack of winning tickets here. The ticket giveaway is happening on so many shows here across our family of networks. The Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show, February 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Park Expo and Conference Center. Call in to win at about 5.45 today. We will do it during our last segment of the day. Call in and win that winning four-pack of tickets. Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show and their special guest, Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm. He will be appearing there Friday, February 23rd and Saturday, February 24th. We will open up the fold lines for our ticket giveaway, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. Win the tickets later, or you can talk about the news right now with us. Whatever is on your mind, we would love to hear from you, your thoughts from the community. The top five at five stories that we are tracking for you on the News Drive at five tonight. A Stanley man is arrested on child sexual assault charges. Charlotte men are charged with a Denver break-in. A Mooresville man pleads guilty to workers' compensation fraud. 
Troutman discussed their, quote, circus atmosphere of their board meetings and the Junker Project moves forward in Cornelius. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. Get you right in here to the WSIC News Talk Studios and you on the air. Our top story tonight that we are following in Stanley. A Lincoln County man has been charged on sexual assault charges after an investigation that began as a child abuse case, according to the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. Carl David Holt, age 66, in Stanley, was arrested on February the 5th. The investigation began in October after the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office received a report of possible child abuse. The child abuse investigation uncovered allegations of sexual assault. The victims in the case are known to halt and were juveniles at the time the incidents occurred. Lincoln County Sheriff's Office Detective Kay Harrington charged Holt on February 5th and brought him to the Lincoln County Magistrate's Office where warrants for four, cli- for four counts of indecent liberties with a child and two counts of statutory sexual offense were served. Holt was placed in the Haven A. Kraus Detention Center under a $30,000 secured bond, but then was ordered held under a no-bond hold until a judge could set an additional bond. On February 6th, Holt appeared before a district court judge who set an additional $10,000 secured bond. Holt remains in jail under a total $40,000 secured bond. In Denver, Lincoln County Sheriff's Office deputies were dispatched to an alarm at the Crafty Burger restaurant on Brentwood Road on December the 30th. When officers arrived on the scene, they discovered the restaurant had been broken into and a safe stolen from the office area of the restaurant. Detectives were called to the scene and worked with patrol deputies to process the scene and obtain video surveillance of the incident. During a lengthy investigation, the owners of the vehicle used in the break-in were identified, as well as two other subjects that entered the business. The suspects were identified as D'Angelo Ardry, age 20, Jarius Sarvage, age 18, and a juvenile, all from Charlotte. Warrants were, ris- were issued for Ardry and Sarvage and forwarded to the U.S. Marshal's Office Carolina's Regional Task Force, who located Ardry at a residence in Charlotte, and took him into custody. Ardry was turned over to Lincoln County Sheriff's Office detectives. Ardry was charged with felony breaking and entering, felony larceny after breaking and entering, felony conspiracy, and felony safe cracking. He was taken before a Lincoln County magistrate and placed in the Harvin A. Kraus Detention Center under a $50,000 secured bond. In Charlotte, a Mooresville man pleaded guilty to workers' compensation fraud in connection with a scheme in which he built the federal government out of more than $100,000. Johnny Sullivan Sr., age 73, remains free on bond after entering a guilty plea before U.S. Magistrate Judge Susan Rodriguez. Dina King, U.S. Attorney for the Western of North Carolina, announced the guilty plea in a news release. In order to receive and maintain benefits, Sullivan was required to submit periodic reports regarding his physical condition and his inability to perform a postal service job. 
Court documents show that on multiple occasions, Sullivan made false statements and material misrepresentations regarding his physical abilities and medical restrictions. Among the false claims Sullivan made was that he was unable to sit for long periods of time, that he could only drive short distances, that he needed to use a cane when he walked, and that he was unable to travel or engage in hobbies and other recreational activities due to his medical condition. As a result of the statements, Sullivan received payments totaling more than $103,000. According to court records, during the time that Sullivan made these false claims, he was posting on social media photos of many long-distance trips and physically rigorous activities. For example, he posted himself photos of himself traveling to places in Europe, hiking, and over long distances. News Drive at 5 rolls on here at WSIC News Talk. Patrick Reynolds taking you home. We'll be back right after this. We'll be back with more of the News Drive at 5 with Patrick Reynolds in just a moment on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. Call in now to speak with Patrick Reynolds on the News Drive at 5. The number to dial is 844-STUDIO-4. WSIC. Local starts here. News Drive at 5, back with you here on this Wednesday, February the 7th, 2022, 5.18 p.m. Patrick Reynolds taking you home. If you are watching on social media, the video feed live from the Statesville WSIC News Talk Radio Studios, you see I am holding up a four-pack of winning tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. February 23rd, 4th, and 5th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm will be appearing there Friday, February 23rd, and Saturday, February the 24th. We're going to give away these tickets, these four tickets right here. Winning tickets uh, in about 30 minutes. 844-STUDIO-4. 844-788-3464 is the winning phone number to call. Call on in, claim your tickets in about 30 minutes. If you want to call before then to discuss the local news headlines, be happy to engage it in a little conversation. We are WSIC News Talk. Want to connect to the community? Nothing better than chatting on air on the radio. In other headlines here on the News Drive at 5, we'll go into Troutman, where town council members discuss the need for planning and zoning board members to undergo training to help the group navigate the heavy load of projects and rezoning cases that continue to come before the advisory board. In addition to clarifying the role and limits of authority the board has under North Carolina statutes, council member Paul Henkel discussed the need for the board to enforce decorum in meetings to prevent personal attacks on staff and elected officials in public hearings. Whether the town staff personally likes or dislikes a project, should have no bearing on the rezoning process, town manager Ron Wyatt explained. Quote, if it fits those blocks, the staff is required to recommend it because it checks those blocks, end quote. Their role is to let developers get the pulse of the community in public hearings and for planning board members to ask developers to address community concerns before the project reaches the council for final determination. Wyatt said he appreciates the passion of the community and they're voicing their opinions, but some individuals are behaving in a, quote, ruthless manner and treating every project as the enemy. 
The council decided to make the planning board's additional training mandatory. The training will occur at the planning board's March 25th meeting. The council also decided that no future planning board members can serve on the board until the mandatory training is completed. Wyatt suggested town attorney Gary Thomas attend the March 25th training along with available council members to iron out these issues. Wyatt said, quote, I truly think every one of them's best interest and heart is to be better decision makers for the town. It's just that somebody has got to be in charge that says, hey, follow the rules or you're out and quit allowing the outbursts and the people talking trash. It's going to continue to be a circus atmosphere until somebody says, here's the rules, follow them, or there's consequences for you all volunteering if you are not going to, end quote. Henkel said the planning board has an important role and needs to function effectively. Council member Eddie now suggested that a police officer be present to ensure proper behavior, protect staff and the planning board, and remove unruly people. Wyatt said the problem so far is not physical threat, but more the combative attitudes of agitators and accusations of illegal activity if the staff or board disagrees with their point of view. Speakers should speak once in a public hearing, not engage in back and forth at all, and not roam around the room talking to others. These requirements are outlined in the town's public comment rules, Robert's Rules of Order, and in the planning board's policies. Now said, those engaging in such behavior should be removed for disorderly conduct. Police, police Chief Josh Watson assured now that if Hare perceives an issue arising, it has officers in the building or nearby if help is needed. In other business, Wyatt reported the owner of Mad Monkey Garage has conceded that the building's mural is out of compliance. However, the owner asked for a fine suspension because the painter cannot paint over it until the temperatures allow. The council decided that would set a bad precedent and will continue with the fines, with the caveat that fines could be rescinded all or in part after compliance. In Cornelius, clearing has begun on what's known as the Junker Project, a multifamily development on the West Catawba Avenue whose approval shook local politics back in 2021. The site currently includes the familiar White House Gardens on the west side of West Catawba. The operation is expected to close later this spring. Coming soon are 195 residential units. The White House Gardens operation, a fixture on West Catawba for 30 years, is moving to Denver. The project was originally proposed by developer Jake Palillo. Shortly after the rezoning was improved in September of 2021, the project was taken over by Jamie Rolowitz. Properties with the, compri with the comprise of Legacy Points properties, as well as Newcastle Development Group, which is an apartment developer out of Charlottesville, Virginia. Rolowitz is well known for the Hyde Park commercial development on Bailey Road and the Watermark luxury condominiums to the east on West Catawba. The original project was approved in June of 2021, but not before some residents voiced their opposition to the project. The final vote on the project was 4-1, to one, with only Commissioner Dennis Billadu opposed. Three commissioners who voted for the project, Tricia Sisson, 
Thurman Ross and Michael Miltich lost their re-election bids five months later in November of 2021. Billadu won in 2021, but narrowly lost his bid for mayor last year. Meanwhile, the Junker Project is expected to get a new name. My producer, Joe Berg, is here with me, and I want to ask him, do you ever venture down to Cornelius on West Catawba and are familiar with this with this area of the road? I am, absolutely. I used to actually work right off of uh, Catawba Road. So do you know this area where the uh, area is going to be cleared to, to uh, build these apartments? I, I'm not too familiar with that section of it, uh, but... Definitely uh, have been down to Cornelius, and I do know that uh, the roads there are terrible. Yeah. Uh, any terrible. feedback from your friends down in that area with this new project? No. No. no? I have, I don't, maybe they don't even know about it yet. Okay. Well, if they listen to the news drive at 5, maybe they do now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully maybe. they do. We've got an update about Josh's Farmer's Market. Remember yes. that from late yesterday? JFM. Yes. Okay. We uh, spent some time yesterday with Sarah Kirkman, who is a candidate for district attorney of for Alexander and Iredell County. So we touched on this story yesterday, which is really a big update on Mooresville policy as well as Josh's Farmer's Market. So in Mooresville... After seeking a resolution for an 18-month controversy described as painful by two veteran commissioners, the town has approved a text amendment in its Unified Development Ordinance to establish, quote, open-air agricultural markets as an allowable use in specific zoning district. In their recent session, I think it was February 5th, commissioners unanimously approved the change that will allow Josh's Farmer's Market and similar ventures to operate as, quote, by right use within the town's corridor mixed use and community commercial zones, which are located primarily along prominent travel routes like North Carolina 150 and other major thoroughfares. The new guidelines include standards for temporary, which includes no more than 180 days per year, and permanent markets along with requirements for what type of items can and cannot be sold, with a stipulation at least 75% of the merchandise be agriculture or prepared food items. There are also size restrictions on market operations, which are no more than 10,000 square feet of operational space for temporary uses and no more than 35,000 square feet, up to 50,000 square feet with conditional approval. That's for permanent markets. Now, there are, the, there are also requirements that a permanent market have permanent electric service and permanent restrooms facilities and an enclosed building, an open-end shelter, or similar facility providing at least 5,000 square feet of covered display area for produce. Town staff, with urging from elected officials, began exploring options for ordinance adjustments late last year in response to the simmering debate related to Josh's Farmer's Market, a long-established local business that began decades ago as a weekend produce stand and evolved into an almost year-round operation selling mostly agricultural products. In 2022, when special year-round permits and extension permits issued by the town expired for Josh's temporary operations, which was on property beside the Lowe's YMCA, a conflict arose between the town and Josh's that triggered town citations, fines, appeals, 
and an unsuccessful challenge by Josh's to the Mooresville Board of Adjustment. The process was accompanied by local debate, with Josh's supporters arguing the town was unfairly targeting and disrupting a local business, and town staff countering it was enforcing adopted rules all town businesses must follow. At the town's pre-agenda meeting, commissioners suggested tweaks related to conditions about a permanent building size change, storage building options, the minimal allowable distance between open-air markets, and a list of products that should or should not be allowed. It was evident they wanted guidelines allowing a business like the current Josh's Market model without what several referenced unintended consequences, basically allowing Josh's to stay but not bringing in a business that they did not like. News Drive at 5 rolls on for this hump day, Wednesday, February the 7th. I am Patrick Reynolds. We got more news headlines for you. We'll be back right after this. Keep it here. We'll be back with more of the News Drive at 5 with Patrick straight ahead on 1059 100.7 WSIC. It's the News Drive at 5 with Patrick Reynolds on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Local starts here. Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this Wednesday, February the 7th, 2024. 5.35 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. One more flash of the winning four-pack of tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. If you're looking on our social media, February 23rd, 24th, 25th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. We've got a winning four-pack of tickets in about 10 minutes from now. We'll give away to one lucky caller. You can see, possibly, I'm saying, I'm saying he's going to be there. Not saying you're going to see him, but... Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm will be at the show. He will be appearing Friday, February 23rd, and Saturday, February 24th. So if you would like to attend the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show, we're going to open up the phone lines in about 10 minutes from now after the next break. In the meantime, if you'd like to talk about the news headlines, 844-STUDIO-4, get you right into us, 844-788-3464. Back to the news headlines for the news drive at five in Lincolnton. A third previously denied rezoning request for a development on the eastern side of the county was returned to the Lincoln County Board of Commissioners by the County Superior Court for deliberation. The court didn't need to hold another public hearing, saying that this, the decision should be based on the content of the original hearings according to Andrew Bryant, the county's development services director. This request for rezoning, submitted by Garden Street Communities Southeast LLC, is for over 150 acres to permit a subdivision of up to 150 single-family detached homes on property to the north side of North Carolina 150 at the intersection with Shufford Road and Iron Station. The original request came before the commissioners in Lincoln County Planning Board for a public hearing on November the 7th, 2022. In return to the commissioners for a vote on November 21st, 2022, 
where it was denied 3-2. to two. Commissioners Carol Mitchum and Milton Sigmund voted for the development, and Commissioners Bud Cessna, Anita McCall, and Kathy Davis voting against. This time around, commissioners voted 4-1 to one in favor, with Cessna voting in the negative. Prior to voting, Davis asked Brian about the open space proposed by the development, which he said sounded like a lot of space, wondering how much of it was useful. The project information sheet for the development states that a key feature of the proposed community would be ample open spaces. Now, Joe, I'm going to throw this back to you here for a minute. Uh, the development here in Iron Station, where are you from and where do you see the development here in Statesville? I mean, do you see a lot of development where you are in Statesville? I mean, uh, so I, I live in the, the Signal Hill area of Statesville at this point in my life now. Just actually moved in there recently. But I don't see too much on on that side. But I have noticed, like, over by, um, oh, man, there's, like, a spot over by, uh, uh, what is it, Buffalo Shoals Road over there? Or Airy Road, I believe it is, where there's, like, a new neighborhood, it looks like, with some buildings in there and some new houses that are... They're like reasonably priced houses is what it says. I see the advertisements on it for I don't know exactly what area that is, but I know it's in Statesville. Okay. So we got some Statesville development. A little uh, bit. Definitely. I don't even know how old it is, to be honest with you. It could be three, four years old at this point. Wow. Okay. So that's uh I mean we got development everywhere on this. So gosh, we got Iron Station. We've got Statesville. Um what else, what do you have near, I guess, where you are? There's not a whole lot of development there. No, there's actually what seems like to be a lot of uh, old things, like the Signal Hill Mall is, you know, being, uh, it, it just got closed. And uh, the roads, though, the roads are definitely developing, that's for sure, uh, from what I've seen. But I don't know, I don't know too much about new development in Statesville. I, I'm, I'm still new to this specific area, you know, I'm, Grew up in Mooresville, kind of like, kind of like you, you know, in that Mooresville area. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm down in Mooresville, but I've seen the development there. I know Statesville is a hot spot too. Very much development with the 77 and 40 interchange coming. Uh, definitely looks like an Iron Station and West Side of the Lake. Definitely some folks coming up there as well. Well, we got more development coming up in Huntersville as well. A lot of building coming up after a lengthy discussion in the Huntersville folks weighing the cost of the proposed town hall against previous options, the Huntersville Town Board voted to move forward with financing the $30 million project. Edifice LLC, the town's chosen design and building firm, presented a guaranteed maximum price proposal for the new town hall, promising costs would not exceed the estimated $30 million. The town plans to enter into an installment financing contract using limited obligation bonds to pay for the construction, equipment, and furnishing of a new town hall along with renovations to the old building so it can be used as community space. The cost of the bond is not to exceed $32 million, including the $30 million building and $2 million in related insurance cost. Discussions regarding the new town hall date back to 2018 when the current town hall, built in 1997, was deemed too small to house the town's current and future staff, a problem that first came to light in er as early as 2006. 
The town's previous board approved a more expensive option along North Carolina 115 north of its intersection with Gilead Road after overturning earlier approval plans for an approximately $16 million town hall on the green space of the southwest corner of the North Carolina 115 Gilead intersection. In Davidson, the Precinct 206 Democrats will host a candidate forum for Beth Helfrich and Lisa Jewell. The two candidates is two candidates in the primary contest for North Carolina House District 98. This event will be held in the auditorium at the Town Hall and Community Center located on South, South Street. Additionally, Pam Janant and Brendan McGinnis, who are the Democratic primary candidates for a congressional district, North Carolina 14, have also been invited to attend the event. In Iredell County, county commissioners on Tuesday approved a $912,000 economic development incentive for a German engineering company. We've been talking about this company a lot over the last several weeks here on the News Drive at 5. DEN, which selected Mooresville for its new U.S. headquarters over more than 65 other sites, plans to invest $38.5 million into the new facility by the end of 2030 and create between 120 and 238 new jobs with an average salary of $84,000. Also in Mooresville, a program inspiring confidence in girls by blending physical activity with life skill training is growing in the community and seeking support to serve more children from all walks of life. Girls on the Run is an international program where trained volunteer coaches help girls increase their endurance running while also learning to manage their emotions, resolve conflicts, express empathy, and foster friendships. The Girls on the Run Greater Piedmont Council has grown dramatically over the last several years, now serving Iredale and its surrounding counties to the north, east, and west for a total of eight counties. The program's spring session is currently registering participants as well as looking for coaches and for potential running sites. The fall season had 352 girls and 320-plus community runners participate in the celebratory 5K that ends each season. In Statesville, Southern Distilling Company award-winning whiskey distillers was recently recognized by North Carolina Agricultural Commissioner Steve Troxler as the 2023 Exporter of the Year. Pete and Vienna Barger, Southern Distilling Company co-founders, received an award during the 10th Annual Agricultural Development Forum hosted by the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. Said Barger, we are very honored to be recognized in North Carolina's 2023 Exporter of the Year, and they look forward to cheering on the Carolina Panthers when they play in Munich this fall. News Drive at 5 rolls on. Patrick Reynolds taking you home. We will be back right after this. The News Drive at 5 will be back shortly on 105.9, 100.7, WSIC. Local starts here. The News Drive at 5 continues now on 105.9, 100.7, WSIC. Here's your host, Patrick Reynolds.
Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. On this hump day, it is time to give away these tickets. Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. I've got a winning four-pack right here holding them up to the in-studio camera for those of you watching online and our social media platforms. 5.48 p.m. East Coast. It is winning ticket time. Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show, February 23rd, 4th, and 5th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm on hand. Friday, February 23rd, and Saturday, February the 24th. Winning time right now, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. One more time, 844-788-3464. Get you a winning four-pack tickets to the Charlotte Home in Remodeling Show. Back to the News Drive at 5 headlines in Iredell County, JMS Southeast has donated $773 to the Iredell County Partnership for Young Children to support the agency's programs for, for children and families. The funds represent the proceeds of vending machine sales in the company's manufacturing plant last month. JMS Southeast, Southeast is a leading provider of temperature measurement solutions based in the southeastern United States. The company has been in operation for over 35 years, serving a wide range of industries with high-quality products and wonderful customer service. In Statesville, the public is invited to attend an opening reception at the Iredell Arts Council honoring Taya Canyon. Canyon, who lives in Harmony, works in mixed media, collage, paint, jewelry design, photography, and more. She was recently chosen as a resident artist for the QC Family Tree in spring of 2024. Her exhibition, Dreamscapes and Meditations, will be on display in the old jail galleries throughout February. The artist reception is scheduled for literally right now, Wednesdays, February 7th from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., the Ardell Arts Council is located at 203 South Meeting Street in Statesville. So hopefully hopefully you're listening to the news drive at 5 on your way over to the old jail galleries on Meeting Street, South Meeting Street in Statesville. And also at the old jail gallery, the Ardell Arts Council will host a series of spoken word performances tomorrow, Thursday, February the 8th. The event, which is free to the public, begins at 7.30 p.m. The spoken word spotlight is filled with meaning, sadness, and laughter as poets and storytellers take to the stage in this open mic event. In Davidson, the town is pleased to announce the schedule for the 2024 Civics 101 program. The 10-week educational session is open to those who live or work within Davidson's town limits, or within the extraterritorial jurisdiction who are 18 and older and who have not taken the class previously. There is no cost to attend. Those who qualify and are interested in participating should complete the registration form by the February 15th, 2024 deadline. Civics 101 is an educational and fun 10-week course with interactive discussions, an opportunity to gain experience about the inner workings of local government, and meet new people. 
The program offers content about the work being accomplished within the town's strategic plan and other important initiatives. The 2024 session will launch in early March with a bus tour of the town, led by town manager Jamie Justice, and a staff-led tour of the recently rehabilitated town hall and community center. Online applications are available at townofdavidson.org. Hard copy applications will be made available in the main lobby of the Davidson Town Hall and Community Center. Also, classes are held at the Davidson Town Hall and the Community Center. Two two sessions are offered. Registrants may self-select upon applying. There is a morning session conducted at 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. or an evening session conducted 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Maximum enrollment for each class is 25 participants with a 15-participant minimum enrollment. Should less than 15 participants express interest, the session, unfortunately, will be canceled. Acceptance to the program is on a first-come, first-served basis. Registrants must commit to attending all sessions at the time of submitting their application. Participants will be notified with confirmation of enrollment after February the 15th. Here is the schedule for this class. It begins Saturday, March the 9th with a welcome event for everybody who is registered. Thursday, March 14th, the class will begin. In-person classes are held on Thursdays, March 14th through May 23rd. And on Thursday, May 23rd, the class concludes with a combined session that includes a Q&A with the panel of, uh, from the Davidson Board of Commissioners and a graduation celebration. You can get all the information, visit townofdavidson.org. That is a Civics 101 class. Recapping our top story tonight in Stanley, a Lincoln County man has been arrested on child sexual assault charges after an investigation that began as a child abuse case. This is according to the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. Carl David Holt, age 66, of Stanley, was arrested on February 5th. The investigation began in October after the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office received a report of possible child abuse. The child abuse investigation uncovered allegations of sexual assault. The victims in the case are known to Holt and were juveniles at the time the incidents occurred. Lincoln County Sheriff's Office Detective Kay Harrington charged Holt on February 5th and brought him to the Lincoln County Magistrate's Office where warrants for four counts of indecent liberties with a child and two counts of statutory sexual offense were served. Holt was placed in the Harvin A. Krause Detention Center under a $30,000 secure bond, but was then ordered held under a no-bond hold until a judge could set an additional bond. On February 6th, Holt appeared before a district court judge who set an additional $10,000 secured bond. Holt remains in jail under a total of $40,000 secured bond. In Denver... Lincoln County Sheriff's Office deputies were dispatched to an alarm at the Crafty Burger restaurant on Brentwood Road on December 30th. When officers arrived on the scene, they discovered the restaurant had been broken into and a safe stolen from the office area of the restaurant. Detectives were called to the scene and worked with patrol deputies to process the scene and obtain video surveillance of the incident. 
During a lengthy investigation, the owner of the vehicle used in the break-in was identified, as well as two other subjects that entered the business. The suspects were identified as D'Angelo Ardry, age 20, Jarius Sarvis, age 18, and a juvenile. All three were from Charlotte. Warrants were issued for Audrey and Sarvis and forwarded to the U.S. Marshal's Office Carolina's Regional Task Force, who located Audrey at a residence in Charlotte and took him into custody. Audrey was turned over to Lincoln County Sheriff's Office detectives. Audrey was charged with felony breaking and entering, felony larceny after breaking and entering, felony conspiracy, and felony safe-cracking. He was taken before a Lincoln County magistrate and placed in the Harvin A. Krause Detention Center under a $50,000 secured bond. Busy news day here on the News Drive at 5 for this Wednesday, February 7th. And after us, you know how it always goes. We've got a busy night of sports updates coming up. Joe Berg hosts the scoreboard every weeknight here at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Following News Drive at 5, he's in studio right now. Joe, how are you doing tonight, man? I am wonderful. How about yourself? Doing spectacular. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Good to be alive on this hump day, February 7th. What you got coming up for us on the scoreboard tonight? Well, obviously, we're going to be talking about the biggest story of the day from about five hours ago. Talladega Super Speedway unveiled a new uh, rebranded track logo. So they got a new logo. Yeah. Okay. That's not the biggest news. I would hope not. Absolutely not. So we actually have some college basketball news that we're going to go with. Uh, we had a number three team in the country lost. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's a big one. Yes. So, so North Carolina, uh, probably not going to be ranked number three next week, but we'll be talking about that and the fallout from that. Did you know that right now, App State is actually in the predicted bracket? for the March Madness tournament. No, App I didn't. State, no, no. They would be the 12 seed. That's actually that's a pretty good that's seed, too. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So we're going to talk a little bit about the fallout from uh, the college basketball world, the rankings, where th- people are probably going to land on their feet, uh, as well as the NBA trade deadline being tomorrow. And the Hurricanes, unfortunately, lost a game last night. Uh, not the end of the world, but we'll definitely touch on it. Do you know where my JMU Dukes would be in a predicted bracket right now? Do James you? Madison? Yeah. Well, I could I could look and have <clears throat> that for you if they're even in there. I don't know if they are. They were having a good season, but I, I know stepping up in football... All the odds were stacked against them with restrictions and whatnot. But I'm they, pretty sure they're still, still not allowed to compete right. in those because they did make that jump so recently. They had a backdoor entry into the bowl. It was all legal, but they had to fill a spot. You know, I'd, I'll check on the hoops, see how they're doing. We'll check on the hoops. hoops. Check on the hoops. We'll check yeah. on it. Scoreboard with Joe Berg coming up at the top of the hour. News Drive at 5 with Patrick Reynolds. We're out of here for tonight. We will see you tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.